suppose I'd started with a leather addiction. I think I've probably spent 12 or 15 Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast rhyming you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today I'm joined by Jared Madden, the founder of Beamhouse Leather, a leather supply business that is grown to 45k in sales in the past two years. Some of you might know I run a handmade leather wallet business on the side called Whitstable Craft Co. So this is a little look into the other part of my life. Now, although Jared doesn't run an indie SaaS, I wanted to bring a slightly different perspective of being an indie entrepreneur. We discussed how building a business in a growing market and applying the selling pickaxes to the gold miners strategy has led to his growth, what it's like working with physical goods, and why he put £10,000 of his own money to take the business to the next level. If you're watching Indie Bites on YouTube, you can see I'm wearing one of the coolest t-shirts. It's from one of the best companies supporting indie businesses around Ahrefs, who are kindly sponsoring this episode of Indie Bites. Now, you savvy indie hacker know that SEO is one of the best ways to drive organic traffic to your project, but you're not too sure where to start. After this episode, I want you to try something for me, completely free. Head to ahrefs.com slash webmaster tools and try it out. That's ahrefs.com. You'll see which keywords your pages are ranking for, understand how Google sees your content and discover how making changes can blow up your traffic, which I know you want. I've popped a link in the show notes for you too. Now, let's get into this episode with my leather man, Jared Madden. So, Jared, welcome to the pod. How are you doing? Thank you, James. Very well. Thank you. So, thank you for letting me into your lovely workshop here. Now, some people might be wondering, Jared, like, yeah, you're not one of us. You're not an indie entrepreneur. But I'm here to tell you, Jared is. He is one of us. He started many entrepreneurial projects. Talk me through some of them. So, when we first moved to London, I started a small Mexican stall, a stand. This was called Coco Mexico, and it happened for the first sort of three to six months. We only did a few proper events, but and it was very hard. There's a lot that goes into preparing food for a market and then traveling to the market, setting up, packing down, cleaning up. We were living in a like a share house at that stage, so we were just renting a room. So we're just like... Yeah, we just come here for for a short time just to to live and work, and uh, yeah, I maybe foolishly wanted to do this thing and just wanted to pursue this goal. It was very hard. I was staying up late in a shared kitchen, making this slow cooked pork pibble. This feels like a low margin thing as it well. It was lo- it was low margin, very hard work. Did yeah. you make any money from it? We did make a little bit of money, but by the time you sort of hide the vans and how long did you do it for? I think we did three or four like good events. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. much do you make from an event? I think we did around six or seven hundred pounds on a couple of Saturdays. Really? I did not know you did that. Yeah, yeah. Why was so, that one of the first things you I I always like business. I like making things and finding an opportunity and I'd just seen some really nice Mexican restaurants open up in Melbourne and they were sort of like this quick fresh concept, just this small take away like casual eating place and so i was trying to replicate sort of that here yeah. okay so taco truck didn't expect that what else has there been between that and other things you tried and beam house so obviously the way into beam house was through leather craft so uh-huh. i started making belts and wallets for myself and some friends but i never sort of pursued that really too much commercially okay so this is interesting you say you started crafting in 2015 What made you want to start crafting? Do you remember the first project you made? Yeah, I always liked wallets. And so I wanted to make 
just a very simple card holder for business cards. And so that was the first project, just a two pieces of leather back to back. Where'd you get the leather from back then? I, Amazon. eBay, actually. eBay. Yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. my first leather from eBay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's more education now, but it's still such a a big undertaking learning yeah. all the different types of leather. And So back yeah, in 2015, what, how were you learning the stuff and where did you get the tools from? So you could still get some tools. You could, Like I got tools off eBay or yeah, Amazon as well or just online. But yeah, there was some information out there. Also, pretty quickly when I started to buy full hides, mm. you could speak to distributors and you could get a lot of help from the suppliers. Why were you buying full hides if you were just making bits for yourself and for friends? Um, I suppose I'd started with a leather addiction. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's maybe one of the reasons why I started Beam House because I had so much leather. I just, yeah, I love to buy it and learn about it and play with it. Okay. So Beam House, you started. April, May 2020, right yep. after the pandemic started. Yeah. Was this out of your collection of leather that you just sort of cut it up and started selling to people? How did uh, it all start? Yeah, so in 2019, I actually started to try and sell belts. I set up the listings, took nicer photos, and I bought hides for belt making and yeah. cut them all up. And I didn't sell many, if at all, actually. But I realised that a lot of other makers would buy the belt straps to make their own belt. And I liked the idea of a supply business rather than a mm -hmm. consumer business anyway. So April, May 2020, I bought four hides of Pueblo because it wasn't, it wasn't available in the UK. You could buy it in the, the States and a lot of the, uh, the small panel companies from the States. And I thought that there should be the same business here. There should be a, a, a cool small panel supply leather, yeah. leather business in the uk so context in the us they've got some of these kind of nice leather supply businesses where you can buy panels of almost any leather and they basically front the cost of buying the hides and you buy it in these little panels and for me as someone who is a crafter who is starting out I couldn't just go and buy massive hides. I needed yeah. someone like Jared where he can buy all of this nice leather and split it down or cut it down into the panels of various thicknesses and I can just then have different types without having to spend hundreds and hundreds of pounds on hides, which was just not feasible mm. with the size of my business. So how much did it cost you to set up Beam House? Was it, did you have like four hides? Yeah, so there's big distributors in the UK that will sell you a full hide. Mm -hmm. And so I worked with them, I still work with them. And I think it cost about 600 pounds. to start pounds. That's yeah, all right. Which is not too bad, officially. And then I also listed leather that I had from previous projects or left over. So it's a very scrappy start because I just started with sort of what I had but it was good quality leathers like the Batero leather yeah, and yeah. wax leather and nice Italian leathers when you started the pandemic yeah. pandemic time did, did you start it because you had a bit more time as well and do you think the time that we all had when we were at home picking up new hobbies sort of helped Beam House with a little bit of a kick to start yeah yeah, I think so. This last year has been a little bit quiet since everyone's gone back to work yeah. in more capacity and has less free time going out again. But yeah, definitely the success of Beamhouse was the result of a lot of people staying home, mm -hmm. more disposable income, yeah, and wanting to take up a, a hobby, a craft. And when it comes to starting, a lot of my friends are sort of indie software developers. They may whip up a website. You chose Etsy 
Now, yeah. Etsy's an interesting one because you've got a little bit of platform risk there yeah. if Etsy decide to cut off your traffic, but also you've got sort of inbuilt distribution yeah. from Etsy. Why did you go down that route and not whipping up a Shopify store like I did? So it was very quick to start on Etsy. It's very easy. You just have to make a listing. A lot of the traffic was already there. And there were already some competitors, like you said, that were selling on eBay yeah. and through their own store. So I thought that that was pretty open, open space. And do you think starting on Etsy helped with discovery, people finding the leather? Because th- those other sellers were on Etsy, right? Uh, there wasn't many other leather sellers on Etsy when I started, no. So, yeah, I would have been one of the first, definitely. So how is it? grown since then what sort of things have you done and can you sort of give an idea of the scale beam house is at now like the amount of sales you get maybe have yeah. order value how you've yeah so all the money that we've got is just reinvested in new leather types and and new projects and new tools and new hardware it's just like a a fun sort of like <laughs> hobby for me i suppose money pit some might say yeah maybe but how much w- of your personal cash have you put into it because for for me with whitstable craft co it's been nice getting sales but it's been mostly funded by me and my mm. my main income yeah i think i've probably spent like of my own income about maybe 12 or 15 thousand thousand yeah with okay. all the tools and the machine and this the, the, we'll get on to that in a sec <laughs> um so yeah, like how, how big is beam house now and sort of was it hockey stick growth like that and sort of um, plateaued yeah it's it? sort of plateaued in this last year yeah. so it's about 40 in sales yeah, okay and you do like 30 or so sales a week yeah yeah 30 to 40 yeah about 30 to 40 orders and how, how hard is that to predict it's definitely this the second half of the year is a little bit bigger than yeah. the first half and uh, yeah but like i've said i haven't had many costs like we've got the rent of this place mm-hmm. but apart from that like any spare money when it when it when it builds up we just replenish the stock or invest in a new a new line or something like that and have you got any help doing this is it just just you or you you're, you're like you've got your full-time thing yeah you've got two young ones and a brand new one mm. wife yeah so how, how are you sort of managed? yeah so i suppose i'm at sort of net just now at the limit of how much you can be stretched mm-hmm. to do it we do have some help i've got a friend that comes in and does some of the orders in a sort of ad hoc basis but you can only go to so many directions like so marketing, we don't really do any marketing, actually, which we're very fortunate about. And I know that's <laughs> not ideal. But yeah, it's just been ticking along as a nice side business that we ha- I haven't had mm-hmm. to worry about that. So we'll talk about in future, but there's something before the future, which is this, your big beastly splitting machine. Yeah. Now splitting, for those that don't know, is when you have one thick bit of leather and you can't use that for a wallet. You want to split it down to a thinner piece of leather that you might be able to use for different goods. Now, this machine takes that thick leather and slices it so you only have that top part, and they are really expensive, Jared said. It's not a cheap thing. You said it was always your goal to get this because the leather supply business, when you're buying from the big distributors, it's hard to get them split down, and if you've only got the panels, you want it custom size. 
it's so good having someone who can split it down. When I had all my Christmas orders come in for Whitstable Craft Co, I messaged Jared in a panic saying, Jared, I've got orders. I've got no way of getting this leather before Christmas, but I do have this thick stuff. Can you split it down for me? So I came there and he did it for me. Yeah. And that is the benefit of having it. So you say it was your goal to get this yeah. and you sort of skipped ahead because you really wanted it and you thought it was the next step for the business. What made you make the decision to buy it? So... I think as a maker, I always wanted to have the option of split leather as well. Mm. Split leather, thinner leather lets you make more finer, more higher quality goods. So for the makers that we sell to, they now have the option of weight, of thickness. And I think this machine being the last step between the supply and the maker is the right spot to have it in there in the supply chain basically so a maker can come to us and say i'm doing a belt i need some really thick leather and i can sell them that same leather to make a belt and a wallet yeah and so that's that's basically why we got it it makes my inventory much more usable as Mm -hmm. well so previously i had to stock ranges in like all the different thicknesses because i couldn't change the thickness but now i buy it in a thicker weight a heavier weight so do you not get it split down at all like not usually no, no. i buy it as a, a, in the thickest weight that i can mm-hmm. because they give you the best and then just split it on demand as the as the sales come in if someone wants something thin we run it through the machine yeah very cool and so you've got your split machine you've made it mission accomplished what is next for Beamhouse? where do you go from here and do you have goals for this to be your main thing or because you've like got a good gig with yeah. your with your day job, do you want to sort of leave that and do Beam House or maybe just a nice side project, nice fun thing? No, I think I'm happy for it to be a fun thing. Yeah, a fun side thing that I own and maybe we can get a few people working yeah. to, to build it up a little bit, but not at the moment. I don't have any desire to make it my main thing. What do you get excited most about Leathercraft and seeing what crafters make in this business? So last year, actually, I really remember last year, there were so many makers that came to me and said, I want to make a present for my dad. I want to make a wallet Mm. or a belt for my dad. And we've chatted about this, but I think supporting those guys that are doing that, that brings a lot of satisfaction. Seeing something that I've supplied out there used as a gift or given or making someone happy. Well, you're doing great stuff. You certainly make me happy with supplying me all this cool leather because I'm trying to grow my business. And as my business grows, I am going to be going direct to the distributor, to the tanneries to get larger quantities of leather because it's not cost effective to buy it from you. You have to make your margins. However, I'm very grateful for your support Like when I was getting up and running and also all this stuff that I'm not going to buy hides for that I just want to test out when I come here Mm. and raid your shop and get different different types of leather and you're you're super not Jared knows way more about leather than me and I find myself wowed with uh, anytime I've got a leather question message Jared he's got an answer yeah that's interesting we do really sit in that beginner category Mm -hmm. so someone who just wants to start out you mentioned distributors you can go and buy a lot more leather a lot cheaper than you get from us but if you're just starting out you don't know what you need i think we're a good entry into leather craft so yeah doubling down on that for 2023 actually is a better is a nice goal as well jared you've been a great guest you are a listener so you know that this ends with three recommendations a book, yeah. a podcast, and an indie hacker entrepreneur. Yeah, so the 
book, I'm going to say, I think, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah, yeah. Have you read that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then podcast. Really, you gave me the recommendation of The Million... My first million. My first million the other so day. So good. I've been listening to that <laughs> the, only the last three days. Yeah. So those guys really, They're so really interesting. Good. And then entrepreneur or someone that inspires me. So a lot of the customers are actually their own entrepreneurs because these guys like you are starting a little business or not necessarily doing it for a hobby. So I would say, let's just shout them all out. Give me one, you Chris. Guys. Chris from Oh, yeah, Chris from Oroman Leather. Yeah. yeah, he's done really well, actually. Cool. Jared, thank you very much for being on Indie Bites. Great. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bites. Don't forget to go and visit today's sponsor, Ahrefs, the best tool for growing your business using SEO. But before I go, I've got three more things I think you could be interested in. First is my new podcast with Dagobert Renouf called This Indie Life. Second is extended ad-free episodes of Indie Bites with the membership. And third, if you're bloody excited about leather wallets after listening to this episode and want to purchase one of your own, you can do at wistfulcraftco.com. All links are in the show notes. That's all from me. See you next week.